All right. Good afternoon. Welcome. I'm Steve. I am your host uh, of MSP webinars. And today is going to be, I, I think today is going to be fun. I, I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. Don't tell people that. I'm, I'm never wrong. Um, so, so here's the deal. Today, what, what I'm doing is uh, something that I, I started doing. It's, it's kind of new. Okay. So um, we, we may stumble together in this. Uh, I, I may just totally, you know, botch the job and I'm sorry if I do, I'm going to try and do this justice though. Okay. So, so here's the deal. Um, I am going to, I am, I'm going to be doing a live setup of, um, Sophos. All right. Uh, so when I say Sophos, I want to be clear that um, I am looking at the Sophos Central dashboard, and that's really what I'm worried about getting set up. Now, my goal is for everyone here to be a, um, uh, a panelist because I want you guys to be able, if, if you want, if you have a, a burning question or if, if you want to help because I'm stuck, I want you guys to be able to, uh, you know, unmute your microphone and, you know, help you know this is this is for all of us okay um i would love if there is something that you want me to cover i i see you sent that richard if if there's anything you want me to cover moving forward i'm going to put richards in my in my little notepad but moving forward put it in the q a and i will do my best to get to it in in like the next 56 minutes okay so I want to start and say I have uh, a couple of guys here that I've asked to join. Uh, one is Stephen. He is with uh, Sophos. He's he's actually an SE of Sophos. Stephen, do you have a microphone working? Might not have a microphone working, and that's okay. He might just be doing a chat. And then I've also invited Nathan from Rain Networks. Oh, my volume's just really down. Hey. hey, Steve, how you doing? I'm doing really well. Apparently, I don't know how to, to use a computer because my volume was really low. Sorry. Um, was that great on this end for whatever it's worth? Okay. Um, so I've also invited Nathan. That's, that's Nathan you hear talking. Uh, Nathan is with Rain Networks, and Rain Networks is a reseller of sofas and and i do want to talk about the difference between a reseller and a distributor for a quick minute because i want to make sure that you guys are well informed uh for you know your purchasing decisions so if if you just want to kind of like dip your toes in and aren't really sure what you want to do with it yet you might want to use a reseller if you don't have a relationship with one of sofos's distributors which are ingram micro dnh or lifeboat you might want to use a reseller. If you're going to be selling a lot, you you might want to you might want to use a, a distributor, and you might want to just build a relationship. But um, there are there are times where you might say, you know, I I don't think I want to deal with distribution, whatever whatever that reason may be. Okay, so I just want you guys to know that there are resellers out there like Nathan that if if you want to go through him, you can get Sophos. There, there are some differences when you go through a guy like Nathan versus the official partner program through distribution. Um, 
It says Alex McDonald is talking, but I don't actually hear anything. Hey, this is Alex McDonald from Sophos. Hey, I didn't, you know, I didn't see. I'm sorry, Alex. Alex is also here from Sophos, um, and he may have one of his SEs, sales engineers, with him as well. Um, so we've got a nice, uh, nice pool today. So I want to, I want to start real quick. Okay, so there's a lot of guys in here that that. I don't want you to think we're selling you something, okay? This is going to be a live setup. I just don't want to have what happened on one of the past ones where I log in, I'm confused, I'm overwhelmed, and uh, it turns into an hour-long shit show of, of me not knowing how to use the software, okay? So I just I just want to make sure we're clear there. Um, all right, so I am I am logged into my partner portal through Sophos. And I'm also seeing if I can get myself logged into the, um, I'll call it the reseller portal for Sophos as well. That way you guys can kind of see what the difference is. Um, while I'm doing that, um, Nathan, Alex, or Steven, is there anything that you guys would like to add to what I've said so far? Hey, Steve, this is Nathan. I might just throw a couple extra things in here. Um, so our relationship with Sophos was set up by um, Alex's predecessor, and he kind of used this as a hybrid distribution uh, type of outlet because he was getting a lot of people that wanted to buy Sophos but didn't have like an Ingram account. And as you probably know, getting an Ingram account is, uh, you know, not necessarily the easiest thing in the world. And so he wanted to have somewhere where, you know, a reseller could go get set up, you know, our normal business is as a distribution arm. That's what we do with our other brands. And so it was kind of a, kind of a happy medium. And so that's kind of where we sit in the Sophos uh, ecosystem. And so we're happy to help you guys. And I'm glad you put this together today, man. This is kind of a cool thing. Thanks. Um, I'm excited. I like doing these because uh, as, as you guys know, I'm the guy that, I, I used to be the guy that every three to six months I was changing something, PSA, RMM, and I've gone like over two years without changing something. And because it's been so long, I feel like now I need to do some research like, my gosh, what, what's changed? What am I missing? So I'm going to share my screen, uh, desktop number one, and holy moly, there's still a lot running here. All right, so... This here is the partner portal. If you sign up as a Sophos partner, you get access to this partner portal. Um, and from the partner portal, you can click here. What on earth is happening? And it'll take you into um, this Sophos Central partner. And you'll see in the Sophos Central partner, you have access to things like customers, licenses, uh, you know, all this stuff, right? Um, so that's the that's the partner portal, okay? So partner portal here, manage Sofo Central as a partner. You can come in here and start managing your customers. Um, if you decide you want to sign up through a company like Rain, where uh, Nathan described himself as like a hybrid distributor. If you don't have a relationship with Ingram, Lifeboat, or DNH, uh, you could go through Nathan with Rain. 
The difference is with rain, you don't get the partner portal. You only get the admin portal. Because of that, you don't get access to the ability to create individual customers. So you can install the, the licensing on you know, all of the computers you want. And then you know, under, um, I think it's under people here, you can make groups, yeah, groups right here. And, and you can uh, group people by company, you know, so that way you can at least have your groups of people. And yeah, so, you know, I don't want you to think that like you're, you're totally hosed if you go to rain, but I do want to make sure that you guys are aware that there's a difference um, by, you know, going directly through distribution versus going with a hybrid reseller distributor like rain. Is that fair enough? Yeah, and I, this is Alex at Sophos. I just want to add to that and and say so. I, I'm actually the territory manager for partners, resellers in Washington and Alaska. And there's one of me in every state or every other state. Mm -hmm. So we'll have a conversation with you if, you if you submit an application to be a partner and see if it's a, a mutual fit for both the territory and your business. Because a lot of the time we'll get boutique shops in and, and, and hey, we're, we're a small bar, you know, we don't really, we're, we're more of a consultant or you know, we, we just have a, a you know, small set of customers. Well, we wanna sell a handful of licensing. That's probably not the right fit, at least in my territory, to set up as a sofa free seller. There's a lot of legwork, a lot of, administrative stuff you know you have to have an agreement with with one of our distribution channels um there's work there in, in that case in my territory it's a, you know like given your needs and what you're trying to do with your customers just getting them the best protection work with rain networks they're set up as uh, a gold reseller of ours so they have access to the best pricing and they can pass that on to you um, that's different in every region. So if you're working in, say, California or Arkansas, it, you'll contact your territory manager, so my SOFOS counterpart, and they'll they'll give you the same feel. Like, hey, you know, does, does this really fit into your business model to go through the process to set up as reseller? If so, here are the, the hoops to jump through. If not, you may want to work with someone like Nathan at, at Rain Networks who can be the middleman for you. Um, so you can focus on what's really important in your business, but still getting the best protection from someone who's established uh, like Nathan at Rain Networks. So that's, that's my spiel. I mean, it's different in every territory where, you know, we know that there's some people who've already um, accepted the T's and C's to become a partner on this call, already under underway with some installs themselves. And then there's people that are just, uh, Skipping the toe in the water and seeing, hey, where does this fit in? So that that is the um, kind of both sides of the coin, if you were, uh, if becoming a reseller or not is the right fit. But yes, Stephen, you're doing a great job so far. I will hand the mic back over to you. Thanks for awesome. Thanks so much. So I don't I don't know if I'm on or not. It, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no worries. Yeah, this is Greg Bennett. I'm the uh, territory SE uh, tied to the hip at Alex, and I just want to say, kind of on the on the points that you were just making with the partner portal, 
versus a, a non-partner portal. We do have a way of setting up what we call the enterprise dashboard. And it is a way for your customers working through Rain or, or your, your the resellers on the call working through Rain to sub-estate sub your customers so that you can keep them separate so that everybody's logical in its own flow. Uh, you'll only tap into you know, Acme Explosives sub-estate. And then you might go into you know, Fuzzy Bunny Exports sub-estate or, or whatever the customers may be. And that way you can keep them logically separate within your dashboard, even if you're not using the partner portal. So there's still a logical flow to it. I just want to kind of highlight that. Awesome. Thank you, Greg. So um, I see one of the questions. Somebody somebody said, um, oh, let's see here. Oh, and Richard, I don't know if you want to change it so that way you're, you're chatting with everyone. Right now you're only sending messages to me. Um, but I, I do recall seeing uh, he's interested in taking a few minutes to discuss cloud version versus on-prem and local version. Um, so the only thing I really want to cover is does SOPO Central let you manage uh, devices and policies and et cetera for like the locally owned or, or on-prem stuff or is it only central stuff? I, I can, I can uh, feel that. So, okay. SOPO Central is our cloud hosted management console. Usually 95% of our businesses, customers, prospects, they want that solution. The other 5% may be state gov or, uh, you know, anti, you know, if they're anti-cloud in general, then they'll ask, hey, can we get an on-prem version? Can you, can you, you know, can we, can we make sure that it's hosted, that the management console is hosted on site? Yes, we do have an on-prem version. I encourage everyone on this call, if you're a managed service provider or if you're a consultant, lead with, you know, use the central management tool. There's, it's the exact same agent that's installed on devices, whether you're doing it from central or cloud version or on-prem, but it's just gonna be a whole lot easier. And what we're showing you today is that cloud management console. I'll, I'll tell you this too, our, our roadmap is very focused on Sofa Central, the cloud version. So that, that's, I, mean, I can't read too much into where the product development is going to take both products. We try to keep it future parity. For the most part, you know, new customers and the revenue is coming from cloud. So that's where a lot of R&D is going. Perfect. All right. So what I'd like to do now is I, I think we've kind of talked enough Let's let's kind of show people around a little bit. So um, as as I said before, when when you log in uh, to the to the partner portal, you go to partnerportal.sophos.com, and that takes you right into your partner portal. I believe they require. I could be wrong, but you know everything's got two FA these days. So you know, set up your Authy, your Duo, and and use the two FA. Um, and from the partner portal, um, in order to do, they call it SOFO Central Flex, which is basically like their monthly, uh, like as a service type stuff for the hardware licensing for firewalls, uh, wireless APs, et cetera, and also for the uh, central endpoint, et cetera, et cetera. 
um, you, you have to pass some training. So you would have to come in here to your training and certification and take some training. And when you get signed up as a partner, they'll, they'll help walk you through all that. Okay. So it, it was actually really cool. Um, I got signed up and I ended up working with Eric Kalsuth to start and, and he helped make sure I, um, you know, went through, did my training. Um, I actually signed up for an account with Lifeboat. I did that. Uh, I, I, I think I started that process Monday and they had me up and running Tuesday at the end of the day. So I'm now able to, to solve things through Lifeboat. That really like, it, it was time consuming because, you know, paperwork and forms to fill out, but it, it really wasn't that hard. You know, you, you know, so I was able to go through and, and, and get myself a plan with uh, Lifeboat. Um, anything that you're going to do through like the Sophos MSP stuff through Lifeboat where they're, they're charging you monthly, Lifeboat requires you to have terms. So you're going to have to set yourself up with uh, terms, not credit card. So that may throw a wrench in things for some people. Uh, it went okay for me. So, um, so when you click this uh, manage Sophos central button, it takes you right into your Sophos central partner portal. And as I, as I mentioned earlier, right off the get go through rain, I didn't have access to, you know, Sophos central customers and licenses, et cetera, et cetera. Apparently there's a way to do a, an enterprise portal through rain networks. If you go through a hybrid distributor, reseller like them. Um, in here, uh, you can you can pop in and you can make yourself uh, all, the, all the customers you want. And it's really easy. I already made a couple. Um, create a monthly account. It, it's really just this form. You, you do a, a name, um, address, Jim Johnson. And then it asks you where you want your data stored, USA, Ireland, or Germany. And I believe those um, will basically help you comply with GDPR or anything that they have in EU and then, um, or, or, or Britain when Brexit finally happens or like HIPAA or other US regulations. So I think that's why they were kind of strategic in, in having those three storage locations. Once you pick a storage location, it's it's not allowed to change, okay? So don't don't just choose Ireland if you're if you're in the USA to, to be a weenie. Uh, once you do that, um, you click next, it asks you what type of licensing you wanna use. So there's Intercept X, Endpoint protection, those are two separate products. Intercept X Advanced is the combination of both products. And the, the EDR is where it's got, and I can't think of the name of, of what EDR stands for, but it's it's basically, it um, it lets you see uh, like, a, like a SOC SIM type of scenario where you get to see like here's exactly what uh, this stupid exploit did to the computer and give you the ability, thank you, Nathan, endpoint detection and response, and give you the ability to, you know, roll things back and have a better understanding of, you know, what went wrong and how. Um, so, uh, 
feel free to check the chat because you know I, I'm sure that the, some of the guys like Nathan's putting things in there. Um, so so you would hit I accept, you would hit create monthly customer, and then it would say no problem. We'll have this created in just a moment, and um, and then you literally you go back to your dashboard and it's done. So it says just a moment, but it's it's done very quickly. Um, let me put myself on do not disturb because that's not embarrassing at all. Okay, so if you select one of these companies, I think is what you got to kind of do. Um, so like, I, yeah, we select it with the, uh, with the checkbox, only one of them though, then you can launch SOFO Central Admin. So for example, I'll come in here to sample company because I'll be able to change this later if I want or not delete things, it really doesn't matter. Um, I don't want to screw up my own company though right now. That's that's all I know. Um, so it asks, what do I want to do? Let's get started. Um, well, I guess I want to install some endpoint protection. And um, it's it's got the ability for me to ins download this installer. So that seems easy. Now, if I right click and copy this link address, can I come onto this computer, paste the link address, and have it just magically work? Or does it want to be like signed in? We will see. It lets me just magically download it. Okay, so we are now downloading the SOFO setup software onto a Windows computer. Uh, now I'm going to run it. It was only one and a half megs, so that was easy. Um, yes, I want to run it. You guys are seeing my screen, right? I, I don't want to do this for an hour and then realize you're you're not seeing anything. <laughs> okay, cool. Thanks, guys. All right, so um, with this version, I, as you saw, I, I clicked to download the complete Windows installer. You can choose components. You know, do you do you not want Intercept X for whatever reason, or or do you not want the device encryption? I I wanted it all, so um, so I I did the complete installer, and now I'll hit install. And now what it's going to do is um, uh, now what it's going to do is it's literally going to download all of the components and install it. Um, now, as Nathan said in the chat here, keep in mind what you pick is going to determine what you get billed for. Excuse me. So if, if you deploy it all, you're getting billed for it all. Now, to be fair, though, I, I did say when I set the client up, I chose the license type of uh, Intercept X Advanced with EDR. So I guess my assumption is I was already getting billed for the, the whole kit and caboodle because with the Intercept X advanced with EDR, doesn't it already, isn't that like the complete package where it already includes everything? Or I, I get a little fuzzy because there are a lot of different license types. Um, Nathan said you can remove components later, like if you decide you don't want the encryption component. Um, Steven uh, Weber says it doesn't include device encryption. So if, uh, if you're, you're a smart guy like me and you deploy the complete package, 
you just cost yourself, I don't know, let's call it a buck or two because you just got the device encryption installed and, and that's gonna activate. Um, but you can go in and deactivate that, remove that component later on. So now when I come in here and I go to devices, we probably, oh, we, we are gonna see it, but we're probably not able to do a whole lot with it yet because, I mean, as you see, it's, it's still downloading, it's still installing stuff. And uh, I'll be honest, the one computer system that I did this on, just so that way I could, you know, you know, like the cooking show, like, all right, we're going to put it in the oven now and start our timer for, for 35 minutes. And here's what it looks like when it comes out of the oven. So uh, here, if I come over to my Rain Networks central dashboard, uh, you'll see under devices, I've got this device here. And you'll see this one has a green checkbox. This one doesn't, right? So um, so this one, I've, I've, already, I've already got it on here. And if I click on this guy's name, uh, this, is, this is where it lets me see how everything's working from what I can tell. Um, so, so that's, that's pretty much the difference. The only thing I did on this dashboard, just, I just want to make sure we're full disclosure here. All I did was pull this one out of the oven. Okay. So this is running default policy with everything installed, complete installation, just like this one is trying to. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, any questions so far on what I've just done, feel free to put things into the Q&A section. Um, I, will, uh, I will keep an eye on the Q&A section to let me uh, click on that one more time. There's the Q&A section, okay. Um, okay, so it doesn't look like any questions so far. Um, so as you can see, whether I'm in uh, the, the partner version or the non-partner version, the, the Rain Networks version, both of these central admin portals look the same. And you see I'm kind of flipping back and forth because I just want you to, to see they're, they're pretty much the same. Uh, overview, dashboard alerts, threat analysis, dashboard alerts, threat analysis. Um, keep going down the list, right? So let's let's look at the rain one, since this is the one I already had deployed. Um, so this is what happens when you look at the summary. Now this computer is offline, so there might be additional things that you can do when it comes online. Like, um, I hope that it's not like uh, one of those other antivirus companies that used to let you just like run executable files on a computer. I, I would like to think that you don't you don't let us do silly things like that, uh, Mr. Weber. I'm sure will <laughs> will tell me that is correct. Um, and look at all this stuff it's running like, holy moly! Um, and then we come over here to policies, and it's got a bazillion policies too. So I feel like. <laughs> I feel like I need to start working on policies because uh, Steve, I don't know if you're able to turn on your microphone, but like the base policy might historically with antivirus products, the base policies like, meh, it, it'll get you by, but you know, you really should go through and 
um, make it suck a little less. Yeah, I'll, hey. I'll actually take that one if, if you like. Okay. Um, so there's uh, a, a number of the base policies, and each one has a different technology, right? So that the agent itself actually has multiple technologies that you're able to manage. The threat protection is your bread and butter. That's your foundation. That's where all of your antis live. Antivirus, anti-malware, anti-ransomware. Uh, it's also where you'll find machine learning, uh, our anti-exploit. That's all in the threat protection. That is by default configured to Hey, Greg, your audio is cutting out. Uh, there's a, a button in there where we actually set to default recommended best practices. Really? We, we got everything in there. And, uh, uh, Okay, so Greg, your your audio was super bad. Like, yeah, I can I can answer that for him on there. Uh, this is Steve Thank Weber. Uh, so the default option that you're going to have selected on there is that use recommended settings. So I see you've already unchecked your use recommended settings uh, inside of there. I swear I didn't. Yeah, so that is on by default. Uh, the use recommended okay. uh, settings inside of here. So the only two options you're going to want to take a look at are going to be at the top for MSP accounts that are brand new. Uh, the first one you're going to definitely want to turn on is going to be that deep learning component, uh, which is off at the moment, and we're letting people turn it on. It will automatically go into the real-time scanning uh, here in the near future. The active adversary we leave off right now because it can cause some additional uh, false positives on there. So while it's kind of in a training mode, we're letting people turn it on if they so choose. Got it. And when we deploy this, I don't really feel like it's, it's not really looking for that I can tell any other antivirus. In fact, it installed right, right next to my Bitdefender. So I think that answers uh, Richard's question where uh, if, is there any check for other companies' AV already installed, or does that have to be done and checked manually? So there is a competitive removal tool. Uh, if it is an AV that we pick up uh, and detect on there, we will attempt to remove it as long as the tamper protection is disabled from that device. Uh, if that's the full-blown Bitdefender, uh, not like a home version, it should be something that we detect and would say, hey, you know, this needs to be removed before we can actually install on there. I don't know what version of Bitdefender is on there, so I can't really answer that one. That's, yeah, it's the Bitdefender Gravity Zone, but it may have the Tamper Protect turned on. So that might be why you weren't able to do anything. It's possible. Yeah, it's something we can definitely take a look at. But yes, we do have a third-party removal tool built into the uh, agent as well. Nice. Okay. Um, okay, so... Then when I come down, I see it's got some options that are that are not included in the recommended settings. Now, recommended settings, like if if I don't don't touch these or study these or anything, this is basically just saying that um, we're we're looking for everything because it looks like everything's just on. All the all the boxes are green. All the boxes are checked. 
So all of this live protection, real-time scanning, remediation stuff is just enabled. Correct. Okay. So that's what you guys mean by best practice. It's not necessarily best practice of this is what we found uh, allows the computers to perform optimally. It's we're a, we're a security company. <laughs> this is everything enabled. Deal with it. This is best. This is recommended. Right. So this is the recommended not setting. That, not to say that your software will slow my computers down, but I'm I'm saying that you know as a security company, you're saying here's everything turned on. This is what we recommend. Correct. And then the ones that we don't have, you know, you'll see at the top, and we'll give you the notes on what's going on with those. You know that we are going to be gradually releasing uh, to be switched on automatically. Same with the other. And then the other components down here, such as device isolation, scheduled scanning. Those are things we let you take control of. You know, everybody might not want, as soon as something goes wrong on their device, for it to go into a self-isolate. So it can't get to any other devices on the network and can't get out to the internet. You know, that, that sounds nice in theory, but do I really want to deal with that phone call at 7.30 at night after the, uh, the CEO of a company is using his laptop for some personal things? Uh, and and his his computer suddenly no longer has network access. No, right. I don't want to deal with it. Off by default. <laughs> um, and I I feel like deep scanning is important, so I would turn that on here. And then um, I'm going to save this because why not? I yes, I know I'm editing the base policy. I am sure best practice is to clone this policy, make it your own but I literally changed two things. I don't care. So if you go back one level, just to computer policy. So follow the breadcrumb at the top after hitting save on there. So inside of your policy, so this is your policy window for each of the different sections that are on here and inside. So your base is going to be, think of these as firewall rules and we'll list it at the top here. It's top down. So your base policy is what you want to apply to everyone. So changing that, absolutely go for it. Whatever is the best practice for everyone inside of your environment. From there, you can add policies and layer on by either user, groups of users, and this could be AD integrated as well, or computer or groups of computers. So you can get very specific above that policy to say this particular threat protection. So if you do want to use device isolation for everyone else, except have a policy for that CEO that you don't want to get that call from in the middle of the night, you can turn that off for his specific computer. So if I add a policy and I say this is a threat protection policy, this would be, um, I, I assume since we're talking about the CEO, this would be a user policy. And then I hit continue. And I would choose the user. I'll just pick me and hit the little next button. Give it a name. Porn is A-okay. Save. And, oh, I guess I need to go in here to settings. Um, so here's so again, where... All your defaults will be inside of there, and you can decide what you want on, what you don't want on, what your schedules are. And you can clone your existing ones, so you keep all your base changes gotcha. that you've made on the existing, and then make some slight changes to this one. And, and then if I, I hit save, and then this one's on top, so... Do I reorder these or? Uh, you can, well, you can't reorder below the base policy. So we're top down. So just like a firewall, first rule that matches. So in this case, 
on your top rule, if it matches that one user yourself, this is the policy that's going to be enforced. Anybody else, because we don't have any other rule, goes to the base. Okay, so it is a one policy per uh, policy type per device or user. Per device or user. So let's say you created a computer policy above that one. You created a brand new policy on here and you did it by computer. And that CEO logged onto that computer, but that policy was above and it still had isolation on there. He would still get isolated, even though we have a specific policy for him, that would be below that policy. And um, so let me do this. Computer. Make sure you move it over to the assigned. Oh, I, I didn't really care. I'm just screwing around. Right. So, okay, so we can move them around and the base policy just stays at the bottom. So Correct. basically, okay, so now I'm understanding. So if you need to have a policy that is to specific companies, then you can do that um, using specific policies. You can clone this base policy and then, um, you know, add the, add the people that you want and then come over to settings and Yeah, when you clone it, you're gonna have to clone everything, set it to you want, then you can go make your changes after the fact. Yeah. Gotcha, okay. Um, and then, uh, let's see here. Oh, and it does allow groups, because so this answers Richard's question. Um, all customers at a company, yes, you can do it for a group because so keep in mind that this central admin that you're in right now is for your specific company. company. So that one specific company, if you go ahead and were to tie in the AD integration, you would have all the users and all the groups. Uh, you can also do uh, manual users and manual groups on there as well. Uh, if you have those, you can then assign policies by group. So if you had an HR group, an accounting group, whatever the case may be, your executives group, you can grab that. Now the base policy, again, it defaults for all users, so you can't modify anything from there. And you can also come into people and make your own groups. You can make your own. So we can have AD managed groups or SOFO central managed groups. And it's not a one or the other, you can mix and match with both. Now, um, to answer your question, Richard, so I had, to, I had to put a few things together here. So looking at the policies, um, this is my SOFO central admin. Um, how do I want to word this? When you are a partner account, like here I'm in my partner account, right? So you're still an admin on that account. So go back to that other screen. No problem. I just want to look and see that's done. So I'm going to restart this real quick. So here so is my- That's your partner account. So at the top left-hand side, quick and easy identifier is you'll see the word partner yeah. versus the word admin. So when, when you're a partner and you're using SOFO Central Partner, you have to go into SOFO Central Admin for each company. Is there a way to manage policies for like all of them at once? Absolutely. So inside of where you're just at right there, where you're automatically going to, global templates. Okay. And what so, this will allow you to do is build a 
template of your, you as the MSP's best practices, uh, your exclusions that you want in the system. So you don't have to recreate your exclusions every time you're allowed websites that you know are going to be problems for you, specific customers, and all of those base policies that you want set in the environment. That's fantastic. So here we go. Um, here's the, the global settings. I can come in here to allowed applications and I can add an application by path. I just clicked on this this real little link that you barely see here. And this is where you can add the application by a path. Um, global exclusions. So if you want to exclude files, websites, and applications from being scanned for threats, you can do that in here. And then website management, if you want to I think change the category. Yeah, here we go. Uh, so we'll make, uh, let's do uh, foxnews.com. We'll make this uh, adult, sexually explicit, add tags, Trump. So you would either do tags or categories. You wouldn't want to do both necessarily. Good to know. Okay. So, so tags are used in the event of the web control policies. And tags allow you to go and take certain uh, websites bundle them together. So uh, if you wanted to add in and allow for uh, social media and you wanted only specific social media sites, you can tag them all as social, grab that tag and apply it inside of web control. That the makes sense. Category is just, hey, this one's been identified incorrectly by Sophos for whatever reason. And we now change the category on that. Okay, so, so I, can, I can tag mspwebinars.com as super important and then I can make sure that that one's always allowed no matter what. Correct. Boom, done, okay. And then base policies here, uh, it looks like I can come in and I can start modifying these policies so that way it, it automatically just does what I need it to do. Yep, so basically you're gonna set your policy. So let's go under threat protections. That's what you were looking at uh, prior, make the most yeah. sense. Yeah, I looked at the top one, I got excited. So we'll go and pick all of our settings on here and let's make a couple changes. Uh, let's go ahead and enable uh, isolation and scheduled scanning uh, and then just go ahead and you know save this at the top and we'll show you how this applies. Okay. All right, so we're gonna save that and we need to go to customers now. And from here, what you'll do is you'll want to hit on the uh, edit customers. Yep, right where you're at. And then let's just select, uh, yeah, you can select all of them or just your company either way. Now, does this automatically add, when, when I did it like that by selecting available managed customers, is it automatically going to add new customers to this? You as I not automatically add new customers. You will need to come in and add those new customers to here if you want. And you can have more than one template. So this may be a template for this group of customers or this type of customer uh, inside of your environment. And again, you can clone these so that way you're not recreating it each and every time. Right. Now, at this point, as you notice, it says, you know, you have changes to be pushed. So these haven't been pushed out to that customer yet. So if you were to go ahead and push those changes, it'll take a couple minutes, but that'll go through and start the progress of pushing those changes and those policies out to those customers. Uh, so once that's done, just go ahead and hit a refresh on this page. 
That looks pretty done. Uh, not yet. So it hasn't gotten to this one yet. All right, showing complete there. Let's just do another refresh on that page. Uh, on the central admin page, sorry. And this is what you'll notice. Your base policies now have a lock. Oh. So if you do give a customer access, they can't modify your base policies inside of there. These are set by you as a partner, and it will be noted as such above. I like that. That is really nice. Um, so I can give them admin access so that way they can pop in here. And, and what that gives them the ability to do is they can still at least look and see, okay, what, what computers do I have this on? Uh, holy cow, there's a big red you know, exclamation point. This one's critical. What's going on? And, and they can come in here and figure this out, but they're not able to uh, change my policies. And that's important. So this is good. I've, I've now got some things I can come in here and start um, adding to my exceptions list because I've obviously got some applications on here that are important, like, you know, Ninite and system. That sounds kind of important. Like I'm going to have to figure out why some of these things are getting blocked. Remember, it's by endpoint firewall, so if it's getting out to the internet on there, so the product, uh, which component of that product is going to be listed at the end there. Yeah, but I guess what I'm saying is I I need to understand, like, what on earth does this thing, what what does Sophos think it's doing that's bad? That's That's the game I get to play now. Yep. Because that's... Yep. You know, that's, that's, that's what, we, that's what we're supposed to be doing, you know? Learning what's happening, yep. So uh, I know 9i agent is okay. Um, I need to now figure out how to, first of all, I got to find 9i agent in the application list somewhere so I know where it's being installed to, um, unless it's in the events somewhere. That'd be helpful. OneDrive was blocked. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> um, all right. So it'd be really helpful if I could see, like, the application path. Am I missing that somewhere? No. So the application path is not going to be listed inside of there. And we're probably blocking a lot more on here than is going to be needed because we didn't actually go through all of our global templates before we actually pushed it out to those endpoints. Got it. So the smart thing to do would actually be through to go through here and just fix my darn policies. Okay, so monitor only. Yep, so that should be fine. So it's a monitor only mode. Web control. Block risky downloads. What do you guys consider risky? Uh, it's going to be anything such as executables, and you can come through here and see uh, all the different components of you know what's not allowed as far as uh, risky inside of the environment. And any of those, you can take our best practices on there or go in and specify yourself, which is what most people end up doing. Gotcha. Uh, keep it clean. So you're just not allowing adult and potentially inappropriate. 
Well, that's boring. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Gentle guidance. No. Conserve bandwidth? No. Business? No. Let me specify. I don't think there is a specification where we're going to allow the adult content. You know, you guys. (laughs) All right. uh, Protect against data loss. Um, It's allowing data sharing. So it's allowing downloads and web-based email. Okay. Log web control events. Control sites tagged in website management. That all seems reasonable. Okay, I'm happy. Update management. All right. Um, If I don't schedule updates for the time I prefer, does it just do updates all willy-nilly? Just does them as they're needed, yep. So as it checks in, there's an update available, it'll grab it. And is it a computer rebootable update, or is it typically just like a virus definition update? So virus definitions will happen all the time regardless. This is actually going to be a software update. Uh, so anything we release out there, Sophos will never reboot your machine for you. So it will be that there may be something that does need to be rebooted uh, and you will get a notice. Uh, the admin will get a notice as well, but we're not going to automatically reboot your machine. Okay, cool. All right, peripheral control. Uh, this seems fun. I wouldn't mind monitoring. Like I'll, I'll get something in the event log then where I, I'm notified somebody, you know, floppy drive. Really, guys? Somebody put in a floppy disk to the computer? Come on. Uh, you want to know about that and go find that person. Uh, modem. Like, you get really? You guys still have to monitor for this stuff? I'm just busting your chops at this point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to jump back in here. Uh, so floppies and uh, modems and things like that, believe it or not, there are some compliance regulations out there that require you to look for those kinds of things, which is why okay. they still exist. Yep. But if to Steve's point, if somebody is sideloading a floppy drive onto one of your machines, that's going to be somebody that you're going to want to go talk to. Sideloading, absolutely. And, and you're probably right. If somebody connects a floppy drive and... Yeah, I, I should probably I should probably be aware of that. So okay, that's fair. Um, removable storage, that's cool. Like Bluetooth, that's also cool. So yeah, I, I wanna I wanna monitor that kind of stuff. And it's even cool. Like I can come in here and be like, well, I don't want anyone connecting a a floppy drive. Yeah, and we can get pretty granular with that as well. I mean, if you if your organization or if the organization you're working with has issued uh, USB keys, for example, for acceptable use, but they don't want anything else, you can tag just those USB keys to work inside your environment. And that way, those are the only USB keys that will work. Anybody finds one rogue out in the parking lot and brings it in, jams it in, we won't allow that to be recognized on the device. We won't allow it to run. Huh. Okay. Now, when it's in monitor-only mode, it's business as usual. As far as the user is concerned, it's another day at the sweatshop. They're, they won't get flagged. They won't get, see anything. But on the back end, on the reporting side, you'll be able to take and read an account of who is plugging what into which machine. I like that. Okay. So l- let, me, let me ask a, a clarifying question here. 
Um, <sighs> modem. Is this saying that if somebody plugs in a physical modem, um, that I'm being notified? Or is this saying that there's already a modem, but if they use the modem, I'm being notified? I want to understand. I'm sure there's a difference. I'm trying to understand the difference. So based on what you're using inside of here, if they're using the peripheral, if you know, so if you have it in monitor only, but do not block, anytime that peripheral is loaded up, and you know, it's on the machine, you are going to get a notification that, you know, hey, whether it's already installed, it's internal, USB, whatever the case, you're going to have an alert. So it's not going to be an alert or anything emailed to you. It's just an event log flag that, hey, this modem on this device, you know, is available. Okay. So under, under wireless, for example. So typically, like, let's, let's talk about laptops. Laptops already have a wireless adapter built into it. So is, is this saying it's, if I, if I do block, this is straight up saying, no, you're not allowed to use your wireless, correct? Correct. Okay. And if I do block bridged, um, dumb question, is mobile hotspot hot, hot considered a bridge? No, block bridged is in the event that uh, if you've got a, a laptop with an RJ45 cable sticking out of the back of it, we will disable the wireless adapter so that it's not active and reaching out and nobody can sit in a parking lot and piggyback into an open bridge on a, on a wireless. Now, as soon as you unplug that RJ45 out of the back, we re-enable the wireless adapter so that you can associate with a local SSID and continue to get your job done. Okay. Um, and, that's, and that's block bridged? Correct. Okay. And then... Um, Monitor would, when it when it comes to monitor, it doesn't care about any of these changes I just made because now it's in monitor only mode. So what what that's telling me, I think, is anytime somebody connects, reconnects, changes SIDs, everything, it's going to notify me in the event log. No, if it changes SIDs and things of that nature, you're not going to get notified on the wireless portion. It's it's truly just an it's a it's an adapter thing. Okay. Well, then I'll put it on um, monitor for now. I'm, I may play later because I just want to understand the difference between all of these. Okay. Um, and the last one here is application control. Detect so, controlled application. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say that. So these are executable applications that can be launched on the device. Um, and if you, if you look clock, uh, click into the edit list, which is in the top center. There you go. On the left-hand side, you've got all of the categories. And then on the right-hand side will be the applications that are within that category. So I like to pick on uh, Internet Explorers, personally. Um, they're in alphabetical order. You'll identify, I believe, the last time I opened one of these, it was still at 91 uh, Internet browsers that we've identified out, out there in the world. Um, you can lock it down so that only uh, Firefox, Google Chrome, and IE11 will run. Uh, so if somebody does try to launch the Opera browser or whatever, we will not allow that application to run, right? Now, internet browsers can be a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but it's easy to articulate what we're doing here. 
where I do see this used, uh, if you scroll down on the left-hand side, we can control things like proxies and VPN tools. So you can stop the anonymization of traffic within the organization. You can turn off things like NordVPN or hide my IP and, and things of that nature. You can also control things like Telnet clients, PuTTY, and so forth and so on. The reason those are important are because uh, a lot of the threats that we see today uh, are what they're calling live off the LAN, L-A-N, right? And a hacker will gain access through whatever means, uh, a fish port, an open RDP port, whatever. But once they're in, they are using system acceptable tools like putty to navigate around within the organization well not everybody needs the ability to putty right bob down in the in the uh, mail room probably shouldn't need the ability to putty because he'll never have to use it so you can stop that from happening gotcha and uh unless i have an end user that is using one of these things like um the sonic wall vpn or probably Meraki's yep. in this list somewhere, et cetera, et cetera. It's safe for me to check all these boxes because exactly. uh, it's, not, it's not like I'm providing home user end support. I'm, I'm preventing people from connecting to a proxy or a VPN and doing something stupid. Precisely. And this is an active list that we maintain. Uh, the way that we identify our applications are signature based. So at the bottom of the right hand list, you will see a bottom of everyone within every category that says all future applications that are added to this list. So that way you don't have to maintain, you know, when we release this 92nd internet browser, if you have that button checked, it will automatically uh, deny it as soon as it's populated into that list. That's awesome. Oh, I see that here. So now check this box under control new apps. So now I can save that list and uh, everything's happy there. Now, um, detect controlled application when users access them. So obviously I want, if I've, if I've added something to this list, it would be foolish not to check this box, correct? Correct. That's by, by I, first we identify what it is that you want us to look for. Now you're telling us when do you want us to look for it. So when they actively go to activate that application or access that application, that's when we're going to stand up and notice. Now we can do one of two things when we do take note. The first button there is kind of consider it a monitor only. Allow but do not block. They're not going to experience any difference. They're going to be able to run NordVPN or they're going to be able to run the Opera browser without it without interruption but you're going to be notified that somebody is doing so and again we'll tell you who on which machine right or we can block the application so this is kind of a let it run for a little bit see what it's going to do in your environment and then once you're comfortable with the with the result you can switch it to block and now we will deny those accesses awesome and then if i if i hit block instead of um instead of just being notified. And I just want to clarify, when you say notified, I assume you're talking about in this events report. Correct. Yeah, it'll be in a log, a log event report. Yeah, you're not going to be, we're not going to spam you with email or anything like that, but you'll be able to come back in here a week later, generate that list and take a look and see what's going on. You know, maybe somebody's surfing the tour browser on their lunch break. You would be able to see that and then go and talk to them and block it. I like it. Okay, and then, um, so block sounds cool. I like blocking, because I'm that, uh, what, what do they call it, the, the admin? Draconian. Or whatever. 
<laughs> big brother. <laughs> yes, I like to be big brother. Um, now, do, do I have to check this one here during scheduled and on-demand scans if I'm, if I'm doing it when users access them? You don't. Uh, what that will do is if you are doing scheduled scans, uh, it doesn't need to launch in order for us to flag it. So with that, with that mark checked or that toggle switch, we're saying even if it's installed, we're going to let you know that it's there. Now, that's on a scheduled scan, though. Okay. And then I see here, if I want to request an application, it opens up a whole new window. Here's where I can pop in and say, hey, guys, uh, can, can you also block Candy Crush for me? And, and you know, you'll add it to the list. Maybe. You'll maybe add it to yeah, the list. Precisely. The way we do our application identification is through signature. So it's nothing that we don't allow you the, uh, the ability to just create your own classification and uh, identification piece. We have to write the signature for it. So if you do have a homegrown app or if you have found something that you want us to consider adding to the list, this is the way to do that. Got it. And then I see uh, enable desktop messaging for application control. So if for example, if I have this disabled, it, it just doesn't run. The application just correct. No, error message or no, 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 no. What that does is that's uh, how noisy do you want us to be to the end user? So if you have that disabled, they just won't. It just won't run, right? They'll get they'll get a denial page. Yeah. Now, if you have it, if you have it activated or enabled, you can tailor the message and you know again going back to the way that we can associate. Uh, policies with individual users or machines, we can have that little toaster pop up in the right-hand corner, say, this application's been blocked, and then you can tailor the message and say, hey, Bob, stop trying to go to the dark web. Oh, character limit. Okay, so I can save this one. I've got everything set up the way I want it to on, on this uh, policy. Uh, device encryption, I'll, I'll go through this one real quick. Because I imagine the server policies are very similar to the endpoint policies. They're just specifically for servers. So um, uh, I, Identical with the addition of one, uh, one or two. Uh, for server, uh, within the threat protection, we actually have an identification of um, pre-exclusions for a specific applications, specifically uh, Exchange, SQL, and Citrix. Uh, if you click that button, it'll automatically identify if those are running and apply the appropriate uh, manufacturer recommended uh, exclusions there. The other one that's in uh, server that is not currently in the endpoint is uh, a protection that we call lockdown, which is a way of um, easily managing application whitelisting. So once you get a server built the way that you want it to, and you know that it's never going to change, you can literally just click one button, which cleverly is named lockdown, and you click that button and it will go through the process of generating a trust list with all of the applications currently running on that device. And then once that trust list is built, and that trust list is for uh, updating purposes and things of that nature, nothing can be added or removed to that server without admin approval and, and intervention. I like it like it okay uh device encryption is on uh so i had this one 
I, I assume this was just enabled. And since I deployed the complete package, I think I just encrypted that, that computer, didn't I? No, we won't encrypt until a policy has been mandated and, and applied. So you actually have to go in and, and apply the policy and, and do some tweaking. Just because you ran the installer doesn't mean we automatically uh, encrypt. And the encryption piece that we have, uh, we don't distribute. We do not uh, have our own. We're not going to install our own AES-256 agent because we we identify or we work with the native uh, AES-256 agent that's running in the OS. So if for like Windows, it's BitLocker. For Mac, it's FileVault. And we just tap that agent on the shoulder and say, you're going to work for us now. And we manage the keys, but BitLocker will handle the encryption. Right. And and I understand that. We're, we're good there. Okay. So this one does say device encryption is off. So it, it had the base policy deployed and... Uh, it, it's off. So the reason that this computer is offline is a complete mystery to me then. Awesome. Okay. So um, if I wanted to enable device encryption, if I were to do this within my global template, it, is that because it's the global template going to automatically deploy out to all of my devices? What that's going to do is it's going to set, think of it this way, it's going to flip the bit to active, meaning that it's able to receive an encryption policy. Okay. Does that make sense? Not really. I'm sorry. No, 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 that's good. <laughs> no, that, I, I, I'm so what it does is uh, within the installer package that you installed, because you did the full Windows installer, you did install you know, the Intercept X and the EDR and all of that jazz. And you also made it so that the device encryption is actively listening for an encryption policy. So it's set to say, okay, if an encryption policy comes to me, I'm going to enact. Uh, however, if you, if you don't choose that component, you're still installing it, it's part of the agent, but we're flipping that bit to inactive, which means it's not listening for a policy uh, to be sent, right? Okay, you have so to me, set a policy in order for that encryption to, to take place. Okay, so let's let's forget about the agent for a second. If, because um, I've already deployed that agent, the complete installer, okay? So we already know that it's listening for a policy, right? So in my global template, if I make my device encryption, all endpoints within this policy are encrypted. If I hit save, would this start encrypting using BitDefender, uh, BitLocker? Would this start turning on BitLocker for all endpoints because this is a global template, anything that this template applies to? Does that make sense? So to answer that, yes. So what you'd want to have on there is require startup authentication without startup authentication. So it's not going to just automatically and start encrypting everyone. It's going to prompt uh, with the required startup authentication. It's going to prompt for a pin or password. If you have a TPM chip and you don't have the selected, then yes, it would automatically go in and start that encryption. If you don't have a TPM, it's going to prompt for a startup key that's going to be required inside of the environment. Okay, so require startup authentication, 
is not saying uh, wait for somebody to check a box to to encrypt. Startup authentication is saying, do you want to force somebody to have to type in a password or PIN to get into this computer? Correct. So your standard BitLocker PIN or password to get started. Okay. Without that on, you could use TPM only, which means if they lose the device, they lost the TPM with it, the bad guy can still get into it. Right. Okay. So I'll just leave it as encryption off because that sounds a little overwhelming for right now. I'll be completely honest. And then I see uh, email security in here. And guys, I know we're running like way over. So if you got a if you got a split, this is being streamed uh, to to YouTube and Facebook. You can watch the rest later. I, I get it. We all have jobs. Um, thank you so much, Sophos team and and Nathan for being here. Let me know if I need to speed this along as well. Um, email gateway. This looks like if you're running a local uh, exchange server or a local email server of some sort, uh, not not for like Office 365. Actually, this will sit in the vapor edge, so it'll protect your Office 365 the same. Yep. It's for really? Office 365. Correct. It's an MX redirect, so uh, everything will come to us. We'll scan it, scrub it, make sure oh. that it's clean and appropriate, and then we will send it to whatever delivery system you have on the back end. If it's an on-prem server, great. If it's Office 365, no problem. And I love that I can I can very clearly say I want uh, I want to check for DMARC, SPF, and DKIM. Like, you, you're not saying that you require this to be checked one way or another. Like, you're giving me complete control over what happens if they fail. Correct. Uh, and if I have this off, it's just simply not caring if they pass or fail DMARC, SPF, DKIM, et cetera. Um, time of click URL protection, that's pretty cool. Uh, Sandstorm that I, I've heard Sandstorm is basically like a, a full like virtual environment and it and it like tests it first somehow. So if a file comes through and it's questionable, we will uh, launch it in our virtual uh, environment across multiple OS to see what it's going to do, make sure that it's clean. If it's a clean document that we've never seen before and it's going to behave appropriately, fine, we'll deliver it. If it's malicious in any way, if it tries to you know, monkey around with registries or DLLs or do something nefarious, we're going to stop it and we're going to report on it. So think of it as almost a zero day. So we'll still do scanning for viruses known and, and known bad stuff. But if it's questionable and we've never seen it before, we're going to make sure that it's clean before we deliver. Okay, I like that. Um... All right, so like bulk, I want to I want to tag it. Suspected spam, I want to tag. Non-spam, I'll just deliver. Confirm spam, I'll quarantine. And uh, smart banners. Now I remember the good old days of reflection. Um, is this that thing where back in the reflection days, where it would have that? Uh, do you want to block this guy or, or allow this guy kind of thing that went into like the, the footer of every email that you received? Yeah, that's it. So this is built off of the reflection platform. So yes, if it comes through, uh, you can set a smart banner that says, you know, it's green, yellow, red. If it's red, you know, Hey, use extreme caution when playing with this email. Gotcha. 
Awesome. Um, okay. Uh, let's see here. Um, cool. Now, firewalls. Um, if I look here in my partner thing, uh, I can do firewalls. Um, and you've also got fish threat, which I, I'll spend a little bit of time on. So with firewalls, you know, I don't have any. So is there anything I can really look through in here? No. Well, no, it'll, it'll, you can see the dashboard as, as we're seeing, but the fire, well, as it would see, um, the firewalls are going to be connections with our XG platform. Correct. Uh, you would be able to associate the XG platform within your Sofo Central, and it will give you single-click management. So it would, if you have multiple firewalls for an organization, they would all be listed, you know, one, two, three, four, right there uh, in the console, and you would be able to click into each one with single sign-on, it'll go right into the management interface of that firewall. Greg, I, I thought you said you were going to send me a... a XG145W. <laughs> so, so we could do this. <laughs> we'll see if we can't get one in the mail yeah. for you. No, just to clarify, yeah, I, don't I mean, need anything that big. <laughs> Steve, I, I, I think this is, this is such an awesome presentation. The firewall presentation itself would be another hour. So I would suggest, why don't you do, yeah, I mean, there's, well, there's a whole lot of security policies and cool things you can do with Sophos XG Firewall and the management of that. Uh, there are videos, there are a ton of resources on our website. Oh, you are already yeah. set up as a Sophos partner. The partner portal has those resources as well as how-to videos. So you can start there, but if you want to do another one of these calls for, Sophos firewalls and how partners or um, people who are interested in becoming partners um, want to manage those. Let's let's set up a second call. Absolutely, because I'll, I'll be honest, I, I I do this the way I'm doing it because uh, MSPs, not all of them, okay. I'm going to say many MSPs are are the kind of guys that. I'll even say we, we, because I'm notorious for this too, don't have time to, you know, read the manual and watch the videos on how to use things or actually pay attention as we, as we go through the training that we're required. We just answer the questions and hope we get our 80%. Um, when, when we're setting this stuff up, it's literally, we just fly by the seat of our pants and we deploy it to, uh, you know, a, a network, you know, a client network, our network, client device, our device, you know, what, whatever we have available to us. And we just kind of hope for the best. And um, thankfully, that's not, that's not entirely what I'm doing. I'm, I'm not deploying things out to client environments right now. Uh, but I, I did, I, I did want to do this in a way where I am kind of flying by the seat of my pants because I, I want to show people like this is what it's like to pop into here and really not have any idea what you're what you're looking for, what you're gonna see, or anything else. So if you think firewalls would take a lot of time, and I, obviously I, I can't even do anything because I don't have a firewall. I can't look at 
like the management. Yeah, the I reason think, firewalls would take it because it's a full firewall, right? Oh, sure. It's a full firewall that sits at a network edge, but it's also a UTM. So it can do uh, web content management. It does web application management. It does, you know, it can be an email uh, gateway. It can be uh, a web application firewall. So if you've got, uh, if a customer has servers that they're publicly hosting in the DMZ, we can set up firewall in front of that so that it can't get hacked. It can't get uh, SQL injections and, and, you know, Trojans and things like that loaded onto it. Um, it. It can be a wireless controller. So the firewall itself uh, is, is a fully managed product. Now, one of the things that I will say that is is unique to Sophos is the interaction between the endpoint and the firewall. Uh, it's something that we call synchronized security, where you can actually set up pre-configured rules on the firewall that will take specific steps depending on the health status of the endpoint. So if it's a red endpoint for whatever reason, we can actually uh, block north, south, east, west traffic to that endpoint so that it stays contained and protected so that it's not infecting the rest of the environment or the rest of the world. So there's a lot of fun stuff that can happen in that. Uh, we can definitely go through that. I would love to. Uh, although I do want to hit, uh, you know, fish threat uh, is, a, is a fish training tool for end user training where you can send fake fish or non-payload generating fish to your users. And then they can, if they get hooked, uh, if they get, click on the link or if they enable the macros or, or whatever, uh, they will actually be sent to a training. It's like a three, five minute training. You actually get to choose the training that launches um, it's for, for education purposes. I love it. So, so if they get hooked, they're literally <laughs> like, bad Steve, now learn what you did wrong and how to not do it again. Exactly. And it's, 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 uh, you know, the very first page is, Hey, that wasn't a fish, but gosh, it sure could have been, uh, please take this training to, to complete your education. Right. And if they skip it, if they just X out of it and don't do it, they will be sent email reminders. Hey, you have that training pending that you haven't done. So it kind of gets annoying, but it only makes them do the training if they're dumb enough to, to get fixed. Exactly. And there is a plugin in there. Yeah, and there is a plugin in there where you can report the fish. So if emails are coming in and they, it's, it's a suspected fish on their part and they're just questioning, they can actually click on that button within the email itself and it will report the fish back to the admin, uh, which is, you know, yay, you successfully identified a fake fish or you correctly identified a legitimate fish and now you've got the information you need to go through and make sure that it didn't get delivered anywhere else. And, um, all right, so hold on a second. The fish threat, does this require Outlook? Because I see you install the Outlook at it. Outlook only for the uh, for that plugin that reports the fish. If they're using Squirrel Mail or something like that, we don't have a plugin for that to report on it, but they could forward it to the, you know, a security domain. Um, and then the same applies if they're using like gmail.com or outlook.com for the respective enterprise versions of Google and Microsoft. They just have to. Uh, if, they're, if they're using Google, yes. If they're using Outlook uh, on um, Office 365, we have a web plugin as well. Oh, nice. Uh, but no web plugin for G Suite. Yet. Oh, I like, I like yets. Yets make me happy. All right, so 
did uh let me let me look at my notes here um all right so somebody asked me to talk about the dis the difference between cloudworks on prem we did that um somebody said he's primarily interested in sophos antivirus for customers we were ready i thought to pull the trigger on our first deal but then there were two months where the microsoft updates had issues with sophos and i was reading it broke something are you yeah, I'll address that. that? Okay. Yeah, so there, there were two months where they released uh, Patch Tuesday, right? Uh, Microsoft mm -hmm. Patch Tuesday. Um, what ha we, with the rest of the security industry, we get pre-release uh, backend notifications of the patches that are going to be made to make sure that it plays well and so forth and so on. Uh, we got those. Everything was fine. But before they pushed play on that update, Microsoft added a couple. Uh, so we've actually worked with Microsoft uh, to make sure that that does not happen again. And it wasn't just us. There were a couple others in the industry that it, that it kind of monkeyed with. Um, they profusely apologized and they promised it won't happen again. So we've got things in place. Lawyers are involved in all that fun stuff. But, um, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, it's, but the, the, the point is uh, that has definitely been something that we have taken painstaking steps to make sure that it doesn't happen again. Good. Um, let's see here. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm here because I'm doing this exact same thing right now. I just provisioned my first Sophos firewall yesterday. So I know he was really hoping that I could get into the firewalls. I'll be, I'll be honest, I was too. I didn't realize that it was going to take so long just for us to go through like the software policies. Um, that, I mean, it's, it's good because I was able to get like really dive in for you guys, but it, it stinks because I, I couldn't get to everything, but, um, I'm going to work with, uh, uh, all, all the, the guys for Sophos and, and Nathan and whoever else I need to, I'm going to see what I can do about getting myself a firewall so I can install that here at my home office and uh, get it licensed up so that way we can do another one of these specifically for, for firewalls. And maybe we can do it specifically for hardware because I know you guys do um, uh, wireless as well. Yeah, we do. We do uh, wireless controller for Sophos APs. Um, we manage in two different ways, one through cloud, one through the, the XG. I will tell you the, the cloud management is Again, it's it's a lot where our R and D is going, and it's the easiest because sure. because it is cloud, right? If you have a distributed network, wireless network, multiple locations, you've got one pane of glass to manage your entire wireless infrastructure. Where if you're managing it via the the XG firewall, you would have to log into each individual firewall in order to manage your your the local uh, wireless connections. So now on the wireless is a lot of fun. Side of that, on the flip side of that, we do have to pay a monthly fee to have it managed through the cloud, right? Correct. Okay. So I, you know, I just, I'm just trying to keep full disclosure. So you, you know, people don't get super excited and then feel like we pulled the rug out from under them, you know? No, uh, I appreciate that. Well, you gotta, you gotta, you get what you pay for <laughs> pay to play. That's, right. Um, but that's, that, that's something that you bill back to the customers too. Right. So it's not, we're not trying to pull a rug out. This is a, a common license structure. And I do I also want to comment on, you know, the, depth we went into the policy setting so we understand and i think everybody on this call has different business needs for security for their customers so 
I think, you know, for one reseller, they may just be doing base policies out of the box. Very simple. Plug and play. Let's go. Some, some of the other people on this call are going to dive into individual policies for each one of our services within the endpoint protection. Oh, yeah, for sure. There, Same there goes for firewall, right? So there, yeah, I mean, there might be I, guys out there that are running like a their their own sock internally. So maybe they want to configure this thing to right. have have the logs also yeah. get fed into their sim and and whatever else. So no, I I think, because, I think that's fair. Because we scale we scale up and we work with Fortune five hundred companies, but we also work with organizations that are a small home business. So we we have that flexibility. You can really dive into the weeds on all of our products. And that's, I don't want people to be deterred by the fact that, yeah, Sophos, the Sophos firewall, that takes a little bit of time to walk through that management interface as well. But we can, you know, spend an hour on it. We can spend 10 hours on it. It's as, as complex as you want to make it, um, but it's as simple as you want to make it too. So I would encourage everybody on this call, if you're an existing partner, in your partner portal, you'll, it'll show you who your territory rep is, and you can talk to them about doing one-on-ones and, and understanding this technology uh, based on your business. If you're a prospective partner on this call, you, you go to the go to our you know, Google um, Sophos partner application. You can fill one out and speak with your territory manager at Sophos and understand if it's the right fit um but otherwise yeah contact contact steve on this call contact the sophos team we are 100 percent channel first give rent exactly if, if you want to work with an established partner already and avoid a lot of the setup uh rain networks is one of of many partners um in the area so i'm your local washington rep Alex McDonald, uh, if you're in another state, you'll have somebody just like me doing the exact same job. So Thanks, thank Alex. you guys. I, I, I just want to say thank you. I have to jump off, but um, my information will be sent over to uh, Stephen and, Rain, and, and uh, Nathan and Rain. So um, let me know if, if you need anything, if you're based out of Washington. Perfect. And that section you're on right there, Steve, if you notice there's an MSP hub right below your account manager and a partner quick links, another good section for new MSPs to get a lot of good information and specific towards the MSP flex program. So um, I'll, I'll ask the question. I'm sure some of these guys are wondering, uh, do you see a future where you allow us to get XG or wireless AP hardware at a monthly payment? We are currently working on the XG hardware. Uh, it is going through legal and a bunch of other components right now, so it's not likely to happen this year. Uh, okay. We will have the virtual uh, license offered up uh, for the base license on there as a monthly. That'll probably be the first component. Uh, but yes, like we do want to have the hardware for both wireless and the XG firewall in there. Uh, it's just amazing in how much you know legal and financial tape you got to go through on that. that that's fair. Um, all right, uh, let's see here. I'm just looking through some more. Ingram is the same as Lifeboat, where they only accept terms, net thirty or whatever, 
on the monthly charges for uh, things like Sophos Flex program. Okay, so um, you got to have terms or credit card for the appliance purchases. Um, let's see here. Uh, Steve, you said that it doesn't include device encryption. We talked about that earlier, and the it was um, Intercept X advanced with EDR. So it includes a bunch of stuff, but it doesn't include the device encryption. Correct. The Intercept X advanced with EDR is going to be your your endpoint protection, the next gen Intercept X component on there, as well as the EDR. So the the recording of all the different devices, bringing all that information up to Sophos Central so that you can use that for your threat hunting. So if we found something on one endpoint, you can go and look, does that exist on any other endpoints as well? Gotcha. And you also mentioned that the default bandwidth is only 256K. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's why you probably noticed at the beginning there that uh, your install takes a little bit of time. Uh, we do that on purpose just so we're not going in and you know, killing a network once you start to deploy this. But under your general there, uh, you'll see bandwidth usage. It's about halfway down. So this is something I definitely recommend people go and uh, take a look at. And 256, most people have you know these days you know, a broadband type connection. Uh, obviously, we don't want to change the default on there, and then you deploy a thousand endpoints, and they're all going out to the internet at the same time to get a their new download. So this is where you can come and change that, and you'll notice that as soon as you do that, your install time will go from you know at 256k anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes down to about two minutes if you go to like That's a one. Awesome. That's awesome, and and I changed mine to unlimited because I'm a jerk. Uh, I do in my I environment as well as fast as possible. I, get it on there. Yeah. But I just wanted to also make sure that you get you guys see like, and and clarifying these are uh, one megabit, not one megabyte a second. Okay, so like those of you that have the the one gig download speed, like this is a fraction of a fraction of that. So that's why I'm like, screw that, unlimited. Like, why don't you give me the option for like fifty thousand kilobit? Like, at least at least let me like give give me a slider so I can. I can choose a speed because like one megabit a second all the way up to unlimited is almost kind of dumb these days for the amount of bandwidth a lot of people have. But at the same time, I don't want to give people unlimited. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's something you, know, you can definitely get into ideas at Sophos. So the idea is going to be that even with one meg, you know, this is, we're talking just the endpoint here that's communicating to Sophos Central. Uh, at one meg, it's pulling more than enough information that it needs out of there and it's pulling it fast enough. Uh, you can go to unlimited. Most people, however, don't do that. Uh, one meg per endpoint connection going out there is going to be perfectly acceptable. Okay. It's not transmitting. You're not watching videos across uh, over to Sophos Central. So it's really just the big component is when it's downloading its latest update, it's getting it at one megabit a second if you're doing it there, which again, more than enough speed to pull that down. Okay, I'll just do one megabit. Uh, <laughs> all right, now um, I see that I can enable a trial license here. Uh, I don't even remember where I saw, oh, trial licenses. This is under the partner portal. Richard, was your question in relation to the, the non-partner portal or through the partner portal? The, the admin portal or the partner portal? There we go. Um, the so trial we'll license. On a, uh, an answer for that. So trial licenses are going to be for termed accounts. When you're an MSP, you have the option right on the fly 
to create, just as you showed earlier, a, a brand new customer account. No waiting, no setting up trials, no having to go purchase keys. You set it up right then and there and you start deploying instantly. If you have somebody who's on the fence and they're not quite sure uh, and you want to provide them with a proof of concept, you can start a 30-day trial of the Sophos software. Now, one thing to keep in mind in here, and it is uh, spelled out right in there, is that in this dashboard, you cannot convert monthly accounts, uh, trials to a monthly account. Now, that is something we can do on the back end, but it does mean reaching out to your MSP team and having us get that converted for you on the back end. So by default, it is not an option, something you can do inside the dashboards. Trial accounts are going to be just that. They're trials, they're 30 days, they're termed licenses. It ends at the end of 30 days. Uh, the other part of that that I thought Richard posted on there was NFRs. We do have an NFR program. Uh, all of the Sofo Central software for your company uh, is free from us. I believe it's uh, for Silver. It's 10 licenses. Uh, if you need more than that, you just reach out to your local team. They're happy to work with you on that. But it's all the products that are shown in here. Uh, we want you guys to eat your own dog food on there. Come and get the software. Uh, deploy it out in your machines. Virtual firewalls, again, 100% free in the environment. If you want hardware, that's 50% off MSRP. It's basically just the cost of the hardware. And from there, all the licensing and everything to manage that and the subscriptions is 100% free from us as well to you as a partner. So again, we want you using the products. Yes, so I just, so if, if you wanna sign yourself up for the NFR, you set up a trial account for yourself and then you email your rep. And I just want to clarify that when you say, you, you know, if, if you need more than 10, like, you know, maybe you're silver and you need 12, you got 12 computers you wanted to protect. Well, then you, you come in here to your partner portal and you see how it says your account manager, Steve Noggle, you just shoot Steve or whoever your account manager is, look in your own portal and figure that out. You shoot your guy an email and say, hey, uh, I've got 12 systems. Is there anything I can do to, to get that covered under NFR? I, I set up the trial account. Here's the email address I used for that trial account. And then he'll be able to go in and turn that trial into an NFR. So that way it continues to work over a 12 month period. It, it turns it into a, I think they turn it into a 12 month license. But I think what happens is you just keep talking to your account manager and, and he'll renew it for you when it gets close, as long as you're continuing to be a good Sophos partner, I think. Yep. So the NFRs are actually done through distribution, but definitely reach out to Steve if you need more in your case. Okay. Uh, yeah, you'll actually, you can loop in your, your uh, account manager on there, uh, but basically you can send it to, he'll give you a code to send to distribution and that'll get you your 12 month term license for your NFR. And then yes, every year, same thing. You'll put a renewal request in with an NFR code on it saying, Hey, I'm still selling Sophos, still need to use the software and we'll go ahead and renew that at no cost to you. And same applies, I imagine, for any of the NFR equipment. And uh, it's really cool if you look through, I, I thought there was a document somewhere where it said, you know, if you're silver, gold, platinum, whatever, it, it tells you, like, here's how many devices you can have as NFRs, if I recall correctly. There um, is. It's part of the, uh, the initial setup and the documentation that you get from us. It's going to document and detail out the NFRs. Uh, Pretty much as an MSP, it's going to be two pieces of hardware uh, coming from us. You can get two XD firewalls. You can get two wireless devices at NFR licensing. So typically, I recommend getting one that you're going to use for your environment. 
Uh, so if you need a 135, a 210, whatever you need for your environment to run it, and then get one that's in line with what you're going to be selling primarily to your customers. That way you know exactly, hey, if we're going to standardize on the 115, you've got that model, you've put it in, you've tested it. Gotcha. And uh, we can use a second one, like it lets us get two. So we can use that second one as, as kind of like a demo unit. If a client wants to get a proof of concept, well, now you've got something that you can put in for them to test, not sell to them because it is not for resale, but you can use it as a you know, 30 day proof of concept. Um, and then, well, okay, now I'll sell you one and you, you purchase one to sell to them. Is that yep, accurate? Absolutely. Yep. You can do that. Absolutely. Now, if I recall correctly, uh, there's a, the only other thing I want to know about firewalls right now is where do I get the sizing help thing? So sizing is all going to be on the website itself. Uh, so if you go to sophos.com, uh, there's not really, uh, we have an older sizing guide, which was for uh, one of our older model firewalls. Uh, essentially, what you're going to do is you're going to come into the components here, hit compare firewalls at the top. And each one of these different sections, so if you come into your desktop models, your one new models, whatever the case may be, are going to give you all the information, all the bandwidth, the throughput requirements for those particular devices. And you can go in and get the full specs for that. Okay. So NGFW... I usually know what this stands for. I think it's next gen firewall. Yep. Next gen firewall. But, but for whatever reason, my brain immediately says to itself, no good firewall. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why, but I just thought I'd let you know. Uh, so, so <laughs> you can talk to Gardner on that one. They're the ones that come up with these terms. So fair. Um, all right. So I see like, like the max throughput of VPN is 360. The max throughput of, of, the next gen firewalls 480, AVs 450. Okay, so let's just look at two of them. Next gen firewalls 480 and AVs 450. If I enable both of those things, is my max throughput simply 450 or is it even lower because it's a combination of the two? Greg, I'm gonna let you take that one since you probably do more sizing than I do these days. Yeah, absolutely. So think of it not as a con uh, additive. It's more of, so next gen firewall is going to be AV as well as uh, the other components within the UTM. Um, that's what makes up a next gen firewall according to Gardner. So that's why that, that one's going to be a little lower. Uh, what I would do is when I, when I do my sizing uh, and I'll tell the customer straight up, yeah, I'm going to assume that over the course of time, you're going to turn everything on. So I look at what is this thing rated for with all systems running, intrusion prevention services, uh, AV scanning across the top, uh, HTTPS decrypt and scan of websites. And because those, those are going to be the things that are going to uh, chew up the most cycles in the hardware itself. Uh, IPS signature application and then the, the HTTPS decrypt and scan. So that's where I tend to look, uh, find out that rating and, and figure out what's, what's going to be the best fit for that, for that bandwidth environment. And, and that rating. Um, so with all of those things turned on, that's the NGFW, right? Yeah. 
Did I ask that correctly? There we go. Uh, yes, yeah, you asked that correctly and, and the answer is yes. Okay, so then uh, looking at this like, okay, so if, if I know for a fact that I don't have any clients that are gonna be using anything more than 300 megabits per second in my area for the, for the next, let's say five years. Um, does that mean I can just sell them all an XG106? That doesn't seem right. No, so, and that's the fun thing about uh, sizing. Sizing is, you know, it's a, it's a 40, 60-40 split. 60% uh, science, 40% art. Because um, <laughs> you also have to take into account, you know, how many people are sitting behind the environment. Um, you know, you may only have a 300 meg connection going out to your ISP, but if you've got 20 people in your environment, that's going to be a lot of connections that are going to be made on a simultaneous. So we have to take into account the number of connections that are also going to be made per second. So th that's where it, it gets a little, uh, you know, you get out your divining rod and, and try to figure out what's going to be the best rule of thumb. Uh, you know, the 115 is going to be good for 15 ish plus or minus people. Uh, the 135, I would say, is going to be closer up to about 3540. Um, so we, we've kind of put it in there. Now that's on the desktop units. The 210, obviously, that's going to be more for than 10 people, right? So you don't want to take that too far down on the analogy line. But you, you kind of can kind of see where I'm going on that. I hope. Well, I, I assume that the 210, if if we're going to use that same analogy, is good for 110 people, like because <laughs> before it was 100 and 15 is good for 15 people so that, that's actually not bad um that's actually not bad at all and then the 310 is good for 210 people so i i don't know like, like again ish right i mean how are they using the internet what are they doing are they protecting servers with it um and that's really where you, you got to have a full conversation around what are the expectations of what you're doing at the edge on an egress port because this is, I mean, at the end of the day, this is a firewall and router. Uh, it is able to do all of the thinking that you need it to do. And now, and uh, you know, that's, and that's kind of where you get your comparables. And, and that's where I say you, you get a little bit of, you know, it's almost half art, right? So why doesn't it have uh, recommended user numbers anywhere? Like, you know, it's, it's not, it's not in yeah. what I was looking at. It's not in Seymour specs. Like, because as soon as you put it in print, it's taken as gospel. Fair. Okay. Now, um, yeah, so to layer on top of that, I mean, I have, uh, when I was uh, the SE for Florida here, I've got a customer that was only 12 users that is on a 310. Uh, basically, they were a development firm, an engineering firm, and each one of those users is probably doing enough traffic on there to handle, you know, 10 to 20 connections on their own from a typical user. So, you know, like Greg was saying, it is definitely part science. It is part, uh, you know, art in there. And then you're just having to learn the environment. What are these people doing? What are their apps? What, what bandwidth is being pushed per endpoint? So, you know, a, a company or well, we'll call it a house because it's, it's literally my home. I, I operate out of a home office. Um, I feel like I, I need an XG115. And the reason I say that is because I'm hopeful that someday I'll upgrade to one gig bandwidth. So right there alone, I I want to make sure that this thing's going to be able to have everything turned on with the full amount of bandwidth. But even with yeah. that, like, 
the the XG one oh six, I I'm not super thrilled with that bandwidth right there. And I'm doing so much all day long. Like so I, one thing to keep in mind is that's not bandwidth we're talking about, that's throughput. So a little bit different than bandwidth just talking at what are my internet speeds and what am I capable of downloading at. This is the throughput of what the device can push through. So a thousand megabit per second of what it's able to process through. And that's not just you as your one user, well, in your case, it may be uh, going through and taking that. That could be 15 users all with gigabit speed now trying to download. Now that thousand megabit throughput, if they are all taxing the firewall at the same time, may not be enough. We may need to look at a higher model. Yeah, to give you an idea, at my house, I've got uh, three laptops and three tablets, but I also have smart TVs. I've got, you know, those kinds of connections that are reaching out to the internet. So you, you kind of have to take into account streaming devices and, and things of that nature. So like I said, a little bit of art. Hmm. Okay. Well, then I'm going to have to have a conversation with uh, someone here and figure out which model I need because I have no idea. Uh, I'm using, I, I went out because I'm so angry with, with this. This is my this is my cable modem. It's an Aris DG, oh my gosh, I don't have my glasses on. DG2470. And I was like, this thing sucks. Like the, <laughs> the Wi-Fi was all, always like uh, earlier when Greg... It started doing like that where it was where everything just got real janky. Like my Wi-Fi would do that like every five minutes with with that modem using the Wi-Fi that was built in. So I was like, you know what? I don't need one of these fancy Sophos boxes. And I went out and I got myself this uh, Asus, I think it's like an RX88U or something like that. It's a $350 gaming router, okay? And let me tell you, I have zero problems now. Like my internet connection is glorious. But the the one thing that I want to show this to you guys, because I want you to understand, like this is literally where where we as MSPs, this is this is just perfect because um, I'm going to come in here and I'm going to go to AI protection, network protection. You're going to see malicious site blocking is off, and the reason for that is. It's literally on or off. That's it. I cannot say uh, only prevent these websites or these are exclusions, nothing. It's either on or off. So like, yeah, you can go out and get one of these fancy $350 routers for your client. And, and it's got a little bit of protection built in. Like it, it blocked, you know, it prevented something because I tried going to a client's website and the client's website was hacked. But I couldn't. I, I couldn't fix the hack because it wouldn't let me to the site and I couldn't even add an exclusion. So now I just don't have protection. And that's stupid. Like why, why would I have this big fancy router without protection? Like I, I want the protection because I'm an MSP and that's what I want. So, so this is just a, a perfect example of why you don't sell consumer crap to a business because yeah, it's cool. It works fantastically for, for my bandwidth, right? But it, it doesn't protect me the way I need it to. So I, I hope that that help. I, I want that to look good for you guys at Sophos because that was supposed to. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of excited to, to eventually get myself an XG 
and figure out how to play with one of those. And then it sounds like we're going to have to do a video on that because we are way out of time. Yep. So if I can mention uh, one thing, just and I don't yep. know if Greg feels the same on this or not, he can correct me for his territory if you leave that on here. You'll notice that we do have our W models as well that we'll have built in wireless. Mm -hmm. uh, and this was even when I was an MSP as well. I honestly do not recommend the W models. Nope. Now, in your case, I can Either. see the wireless is sitting right behind you, so it's probably not an issue. But in a business, you know, typically the wireless, uh, your router, your firewall is going to be in the corner of an office away from all of your users. So if you are going to do an XG firewall, you know, skip the W model and go and purchase one of our APXs and put that where the users are at. You know, you're going to have a much better wireless performance if you mount it in the ceiling above the users versus in a corner of your office. And, yeah, I, and I'll I couldn't take it agree a step more. Further. I'll, I'll take it a step further and say that, you know, I'm, I'm still jaded from business routers with wireless built into it because, and I'm, I'm going back 10, 15 years. Okay, guys. So things probably changed. Who knows? But I remember uh, the, the Juniper net screens and the watch guards and the, and the sonic walls, they the ones that had the wireless built in, it was putting all of those wireless devices on a completely different subnet. And I was like, why are you why are you making me go through and configure more? Like now I have to go in and make the the LAN subnet and the wireless subnet talk to each other so a laptop can print when they're here. Like this is stupid. So I just have always sold AP separately. Does, yeah. does your does yeah. your stuff uh, do that? It, we've got a bridge to AP LAN, so you know we can definitely extend the the LAN network to the wireless as well as the wired for your print servers and things like that. But to to Steve's point, the, the optimal place to put an AP is never the optimal place to put your firewall, and vice That's versa. True. It's very true, and it, it feels like to me anyway that the Sophos APs have more capabilities than just the wireless that's built into the router. That, that would be accurate. Okay. So, yeah, I'm, I, I think it's safe to say anyone selling Sophos hardware should want to sell both. And I, I got to say, I'm surprised you guys don't do switches. Like, this, I feel like you're just missing one component. Just do <laughs> well because now, I, now you, I got to log into another pane of glass. Now I got to log into my <laughs> to my data you, you network, are, uh, or whatever. You're, you're stepping into an internal dialogue that is constantly going back and forth in the back hallways of Sophos. So uh, I don't know where that one's going to land. I'm going to let people you know smarter than me figure that one out. But there's definitely an argument for both sides of that coin. Yeah, and, and I get it, like, but uh, perfect perfect example, you know, Datto, they, they bought OpenMesh, and I don't know if OpenMesh was making switches before that, but, I mean, Datto has the full-blown networking line now. They've got the OpenMesh APs, which they, they've made new models with the 802.11ac stuff. They've got the switches. They've got the, uh, I'll call it a UTM, but I think that's, I mean, pushing it. <laughs> um, you know, they've, they've got the full lines. Oh, and they've even got managed power. Like, come on, guys, I'll buy some managed power from you. I want everything in one dashboard. I'll, I'll, I'll pay you monthly for everything. <laughs> Ideas.sophos.com. 
There you go. All right. Well, hey, I, I don't want to take up any more time. This went like way over. We're like a, an hour over. I hope that uh, we were able to answer as many questions as possible. I just now realized my hair looks ridiculous under these headphones. Um, thank you so, so much to Steve, Greg, uh, Alex, and Nathan for joining. I know they're not all here, but I really do appreciate the help, guys. Um, I'm going to get a firewall one scheduled. Give me a couple weeks to get that on the calendar. For those of you that, that were like itching to, to do something now, uh, feel free to, to reach out to your, to your partner guy or to me. I'll, I'll do my best to help get you in, in front of the right person. Um, if, if you are itching to, to make something happen with Sophos now on the hardware stuff, uh, let me know how I can help. Also, if, if you need help getting started on the Sophos partner process and, and getting set up with distribution, uh, feel free to let me know that as well. I'm, I'm not going to c- commission on this or anything. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm here to help. Okay. So just, just let me know how I can help. And then here's, here's the big pitch. If you like what you see here and you want to keep the conversation going, check out mspwebinars.com. You can become a member for only $35 a month or $350 a year. And uh, we've got peer teams. It's, it's like a mastermind group. We've got a Slack channel. We've got a Zoom room like this. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of cool things that we're doing to help MSPs uh, come together and uh, grow. That's, that's what I want to help you guys do. So take care, everybody. I do hope that you all have an awesome rest of your week, and I will catch you all at the next webinar.